Please turn in your Bible to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. How many of you have ever had to read an eye chart? Anybody? Where you sit across the room and they cover your eyes. And How many of you have ever done that and were playing games on your phone while you're trying to read the eye chart? Anybody? No. No? Anybody uh, tried to do that while they're watching TV? Is that working? What happens when we try to read an eye chart, right? We cover one eye, we cover the other eye, and we focus with laser beam trying to see what the letters are to get to the smallest one possible so we can get the best score. Isn't that what we do? Yes. Right? And so anything that can distract us can keep us away from our focus of watching the eye chart. So we've done this. And so today, we're going to be talking about Christ as our focus. You know, it's really funny. When we think about it as an eye chart, we go, we would never want to fail the eye test. And so we would never do those things. You guys thought I was a little bit crazy. But when it comes to focusing on Christ, we allow distractions to come in. And so we're going to be talking about Christ as our focus when we go, as we go through Hebrews chapter 10. We're going to pick up in verse 1 and read the first 10 verses. For the law, since it has only a shadow of the good things to come and not the very form of things, can never, by the same sacrifices which they offer continually year by year, make perfect those who draw near. Otherwise, would they not have ceased to be offered? Because the worshipers having once been cleansed, would no longer have had consciousness of sins. But in those sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins year by year. For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Therefore, when he comes into the world, he says, Sacrifice and offering you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. In the excuse me, in whole burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come. In the scroll of the book it is written of me to do your will, O God. After saying the above, or after saying above, sacrifices and offerings and whole burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin you have not desired, nor you have taken pleasure in them, which are offered according to the law. Then he said, Behold, I have come to do your will. He takes away the first in order to establish the second. By this will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word and I thank you for the sacrifice of Christ. And I thank you that he is to be our focus. And so, Father, I pray and ask you to speak to each one of us. I pray that we'll understand what you have said here and that you'll apply it and that this week we will see the difference. And Father, as, as we even prepare to go into Easter, as we prepare um, for our hearts to reflect back to the cross and to the sacrifice you made, I pray that that will not be a once a year thing for us. I pray that that will be the reflection every day of our lives as our eyes are firmly fixed upon you. Thank you for what you've done. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this morning as we discuss Christ as our focus, we're going to see sin consciousness. We're going to see a reminder of sin. 
And then we're also going to see doing his will. And so we're going to begin with a sin consciousness. The law and his sacrifices were only a shadow of Jesus and his sacrifice of himself for us. And so these things were meant to show a picture. The shadow is not the reality. The shadow is the outline. The shadow is an image of. It's not the actual thing. When you and I walk down the street, we cast a shadow. That's less like, But it's not the real thing. That's why I love in Psalms 23 when it says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Because Christians never truly face death, even though we pass on from this life. Because death has no hold on us because we've overcome it through Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. And so that's the beauty of the picture of the shadow here. The Old Testament sacrificial system was not meant to be the end. It was meant to be the beginning to show where they are going. And so Israel clung to it as if it were the reality. And so what he's doing here is he's saying, you kind of have missed the main thing. You've missed Christ. And so often today, I think in our journey with the Lord or our journey in our Christian walk, Christ is almost not in there. It's almost this picture. We were talking about this this morning about how it's just a picture of bettering ourselves and how we can do better. And I don't think that that's necessarily wrong when our heart is to reflect Christ more. And so the, the bottom line for all of this is Christ our focus. Because see, for them, he wasn't. They were focused on the shadow instead of him. The sacrifice, it, listen, it's a dangerous place. <laughs> it's a dangerous place when we cling to anything other than Christ. Because all of that stuff will absolutely fail you in time. It will fail you in time. There's no amount of money that's going to provide security. There's no amount of of anything in this world. Job security, riches, treasure, houses, lands. That's not where our security comes from. Our security is found in Him. And so the sacrifices of the law could not protect those who drew near. Otherwise, they would have ended. See, here's the interesting thing. If they had removed sins when they were sacrificed, Jesus didn't need to come because it was already handled. So they didn't. They didn't do that. So they were still left in their sin even though there was a sin sacrifice. That's why we're told that something greater or something better is coming. Something that when he comes, our sins are going to be removed. And so perfection, <laughs> perfection wasn't the standard then. Here's the interesting thing. We must give up and rest in the finished work of Christ. And when we do that, he makes us perfect. What they were doing was not perfect. And they were relying on that. It's not by human effort that we become righteous. Human effort only produces self-righteousness. Jesus said that he imputes us with his righteousness. That I am in him and he's in me. And when, when he imputes me with his righteousness... Is his righteousness sufficient? Yes. It's the only righteousness that God accepts. So it's no longer about what I do or what I can do. It's about what he has already done in my relationship with him. 
then I stand actually righteous before God. Now, that doesn't free me to sin and do whatever I want to do. Because the Bible is clear about that. And why would I want to if he's given me this awesome gift? Why would I want to? I would live in gratitude. Don't, I mean, we've been, people have been giving, you know, it's so funny to me. Every year around Christmas time, these car commercials come out. Have y'all ever noticed that, that there's all kind of car commercials that come out? Has anybody ever gotten a car for Christmas? Marsha. I have an unspoken for Marsha. Did it have a giant bow and stuff on it? No. Okay. But that's a pretty good gift, right? That's a pretty good gift for Christmas. And I bet you were grateful for it. Right? Let me tell you something. Marsha's gift does not even compare to the gift of Jesus Christ. To the gift of his son. To the gift of his life that he's given us. New life in Christ. I'd give up everything I own to have that. Why would we hold on to the things of this life? And so the sacrifices of the law could not make. Listen, he makes us perfect. The result of being truly cleansed is we no longer have a consciousness of sins. That's the, that's the really interesting thing because there's a conviction. There should be in your life, if you're a Christian, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit leads us into all truth and convicts us of sin. Doesn't it say that? So if that's true and that's not happening in your life, Either one of two things are happening. Either you're not listening to the Holy Spirit or you don't know him. It's one of those two things. And it could be either. And so if he's convicting me of sin, that means there's something for him to convict me of, right? So before the time when there were sacrifices being offered uh, that were bulls and goats, they were still left with the conviction. They were still left with this, uh, this consciousness of their sin. But when Jesus came in and he forgives us of our sins, how many of them does he deal with? And we say that, is it all from the point of my prayer back or is it all from the point of my prayer back and to my death? All the way to death, right? Otherwise, I don't have forgiveness. I can't have salvation and have sin that's been undealt with. So he forgives all of them. He for, has he already forgiven uh, my sins that, that I'm going to commit tomorrow if I commit a sin tomorrow? Yes, yes, it's already handled. And so even though they were offering a sacrifice, it did not remove this consciousness of sin. Do you think that God wants me to focus on my sin? No. What are we supposed to focus on? Jesus, Jesus Christ. And you know what's funny? When I find myself I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but when I'm focusing on the Lord, it's hard for me to think about sinning and doing sinful things. Yeah. But if I'm not involved with the Lord, if I'm not reading and I'm not praying and I'm not um, doing what I'm supposed to do, out of not, not even that, if I'm not doing what I, the joy of my salvation is and then walking with Him, if I get busy with the things of this world... Sin starts to loom bigger and bigger and bigger and wants and cries for more of my attention. That's just the way that it works. Because wherever you're looking is where you're headed. 
And so if your eyes are fixed on Christ, that's where you're headed. If they're fixed on other things, that's where you're headed. And so his goal is not. So if that's true, then Christ removes this idea of sin consciousness. But so often, that's all we talk about in church, isn't it? About our sin. I don't even want to talk about your sin because your sin's been handled. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Jesus did it. Jesus did it. I want to talk about your new life in Christ. I want to talk about a relationship with Him. I want to talk about how to develop that. I want to talk about what prayer can look like. And I want you to know that, you know what? Have you ever sat in church and you heard those people, man, go, man, they can pray. Have you ever sat there and thought that and go, boy, I hope they don't call on me to pray after that. <laughs> You know, I think an honest heart, God hears even more. You say, God, I don't even know how to pray, but I know that I'm supposed to talk to you. And, you know, my friend hurt, stubbed their toe yesterday, and it's bothering me because I'm worried about him. Amen. I think that's more authentic. I think that's what God's after. He wants something genuine. Because he's been very authentic with us. He's told us the truth from day one. It's not about these these and thous and this all of this flowery language. It's about being honest and open before God and, and and dealing with the things that He raises so that you can see clearly more Him and so others can see Him more clearly through you. Because you have an open relationship with Him. That's what He's after. He's not up there in heaven wanting to just fix all your sin. You know why? Because He already did it. <laughs> He already did it. He already did it. God's not wringing his hands that I may sin tomorrow. No, he doesn't want me to sin tomorrow. But I'm missing out on things. I miss how much of, we know what, what concerns me is how much have I missed out on in relationship and in moments with God where he's working in somebody's life, where it's a smaller, simple comment for me that makes a change for them and for me. Have you ever had that happen where somebody just says a little comment yeah. and they don't even know really, but it hits right that one thing that you've been concerned about or trying to figure out or something that God was saying to you and you're like, oh man, that was from God for me. You ever been there? Yes. We want to be there as a people, as a group of people where God is working through in and through us because of our walk and our relationship and our joy in Him. And so sin consciousness is not his goal for us. <laughs> the, law's, the, the law's sacrificial system did not clear the guilty conscience. It didn't do it. Because their sin were not, was not removed. They were only covered. But when we receive Christ, salvation in him, we become a brand new creation in Christ. All things pass away and behold, all things become new. 2 Corinthians 5.17 all things pass away and all things become new. Because you're a new creation in Christ. You're brand new on the inside. The enemy doesn't want you to know that. He wants you to think that you're just a sinner saved by grace. You're not just a sinner. You're a saint. You're a joint heir with Christ. And we can't be a joint heir. We can't join up with him with sin. And so we deal with this idea of Christ as our focus. It'd be hard for me to focus on somebody if his goal was just to, to, for me to see all this sin in my life. That's not Christ's goal for me. 
His goal is to shower his love upon me and on you and to enter that relationship with you. Now, if Mark gets out of line, he is very quick to say, hey, Mark, that's, you know. The beauty, you know the difference between conviction and condemnation? You don't know the difference between that? Because they're confused a lot. Condemnation will tell you how much of a bad person you are. The enemy will come in and say, you're rotten, you're terrible. How could you have done that? You're a pastor. How could you have said that terrible word? Conviction comes like this, Mark. That was an opportunity because they were struggling that you missed out on. Now, let me show you how to get back there where, where I can work in you and in them. And he still addresses it, but he addresses it with hope. And that's the difference between guilt and conviction. And so we see a sin consciousness, but we also see a reminder of sin. The old sacrificial system, the sacrifices remind them of their sins. That's what they were meant to do, is remind them that they're sinful. Why did he care in the sacrificial system for people to understand that they're sinful. Why would he do that? So that he can show that they have hope. So that he can point them to Christ. So he can point them to one greater than him. Themselves. He can point them to Jesus Christ. Greater than the one who was offering the blood of the bulls and goats. So their faith wasn't in man. But their faith was in Jesus Christ. See a sacrifice for sin. <laughs> should not serve to remind us of our sin. Isn't that kind of self-defeating almost, right? If it is real, it should serve to remove our sin and clear our conscience. When we come and confess our sins, shouldn't that remove that and clear the conscience? That's what happens in Christ. But that is not what happened in the, the old sacrificial system. And so it's a, he tells us here that it's impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. So why did God have them do it? And he said it right from the beginning. That this is a shadow. It's a shadow. He was teaching them about what had to happen, what was coming, and what Christ would have to do. So the work of Christ on the cross does not serve to remind us of our sin. It reminds us of the love and the grace of God. To overcome our sin. To overcome that which we couldn't. To give us victory. Where there was no hope. And so Christ. I, a couple of years back. I, on, on Easter Sunday. I preached, a, I preached a sermon. That said Jesus didn't die for your sin. <laughs> yeah. Everybody kind of looked at me. Kind of like y'all are looking at me. And I said. Jesus died for you. He took on your sin. He handled your sin. He died for you. And we can't ever lose it. We lose this personal. You know, we, if we can remove it away from us personally and because it's something we can manage, then it's easy to be disconnected from him. And I'm more concerned. You know what I honestly, you know what I care the most about? This is a unique group of people. This group of people has never been assembled before. You know, I want you to know what I care about. I care about you hearing the voice of God as he speaks to you this week and is working in the situations around you that you get to experience 
what he's up to in your life and if he wants to use you in the lives around you. And if that happens, and if we're doing that and we're loving him and loving one another and we're making disciples and we're being sensitive to the spirit of God, there's going to be something very special and unique here. Because it's not about a show. It's about the Savior. It's not about putting on the writs. It's about repentance and joy. And although there are things that we do to minister and love on one another, I think the most important thing, we better never get our eyes off of Him, is Jesus Christ. We better never get over that old gospel story. We better never get over the cross. We, oh yeah, I've heard that before. You know, I heard this story once about this, uh, this Sunday school teacher, and he was, it was an adult class, and he had, a, he had a visitor that showed up that day, and they were going through their Sunday school materials, and they got to this, the story of Jonah. Jonah and the, the fish. And he goes, well, we all know this story. And so he went on and did something else. Hmm. And the visitor, after it was over, went up to him and said, Who's Jonah? Listen, there may be a day that I come up to you and say, who's Jonah? And you can tell me. And I want to be open and, and teachable and hear from God. Luis did a great job this morning sharing. We all learned things from him. He made us think. I wish you all could have been here. Don will be back next Sunday. He always makes us think. We have great teachers and we have to be teachable and open if we're going to walk with the Lord. And so, God was never after sacrifices. Isn't that so funny? Isn't that so funny? So much of church is geared around you sacrificing your life and sacrificing for God. Is it really a sacrifice to give back to somebody who gave you life? Have you ever thought about that? I mean, we talk about it, and we talk about it from, from uh, Romans 12. Present your body a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto the Lord, which is your reasonable form of worship. But is it really a sacrifice? Because without Christ, without what do we have? Where would we be going? And it's not just about a destination. Salvation is each and every day. I am being saved each and every day, and I don't want to miss that. And so his goal is to remind me of sin. His goal is for me to engage him. His goal is for me to walk with him. See, the, he always wanted us and for us to do his will just like Jesus did. The work of Christ on the cross does not serve to remind us of our sin. It reminds us of grace unless you don't know him. And then the bad news is always followed with good news. And so lastly, we see doing his will. He does not want or take pleasure in our sacrifices. That's a rough passage. <laughs> what? <laughs> you mean all this stuff I did for you and all that? It's him through us, not human effort for him. You know, it's, it, 
You know, it'd be so easy to say, stand here and say, you've got to work harder. You've got to try harder. You've got to get involved. You've got to be, sit there and put your life on the line. And the American spirit will connect with that. It will. The problem is the word of God doesn't connect with that. The word of God said, what did Paul say? Would y'all say Paul was pretty successful in his ministry? Yeah. What did he say was his motivating factor? He said, the love of Christ constrains me to go. Not guilt. Not somebody laying on me. Somebody telling me that I got to go make it happen. Christ and his love for me is what causes me to serve. That ought to be the motivating factor for all of us. And so my encouragement to you is if we're going to do his will, we have to know him. We have to walk with him and talk to him. See, we are here to do the will of God. We have an opportunity to join the Lord in what his work here. That's our blessing. You know, I got thinking about something that Luis said this morning in class. And he assigned us each other to pray for for this week. And he said, if you don't pray, you're, they're going to miss the blessing. And I was sitting there and I was thinking, you know what? I'm going to miss the blessing of praying for them if I don't do it. And I think that's the blessing, that spending time with the Lord. And I may be more blessed by praying for my name than that person ever is. But you don't know. That's up to God. He does, that's not why we do it. We don't leverage against Him. We love. And that's why. And so the first thing is done away with so that He could establish the second. See, His sacrifice eliminated the need for the sacrifices under the law to continue. Now remember who His audience was. His audience was the Jews who were holding on to this. They were clinging to something that God had done, that God had created to reveal Christ. But they were clinging to that instead of Christ. They missed the point of that. I think sometimes, you know, there was a, have y'all ever heard of the book, uh, Good to Great? Y'all ever heard of that book? All my business people out there? There was a book written years ago that, said, that basically said the biggest enemy of greatness is goodness. Because we're doing okay, it's good, it's working, so we don't, we don't, Press on to greatness. You know, it's like a, a golfer. We have the Masters going on right now for all of my golf friends out there. Does anybody here watch golf on TV? Thank you. Terry and I do too. We're like the, the most unexciting Sunday afternoon friends. <laughs> but um, when somebody's kind of on the top of their game and they find a problem in their swing and they start and saying, well, I'm on the top of my game, why would I try to fix it? If it, ain't, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? Unless I'm compromising greatness, forgiveness. And so that's what was happening with Israel. This was given to them. It was given from God. And they were missing the greatness that God had before them. I think sometimes as Christians we do that. I think we think back to a time. And you know what? I, I say that because I've been guilty of it. There have been times in ministry and things that it was like, we just enjoyed everything that was going on. It was a special time. It was a special church. The people there were just, they, we just connected. It was great. 
And we hunt and look for that again, which was meant for that time, instead of pursuing things above. And I think we take the moment and love the people around us and enjoy them. And you know what? You know one thing I know about you, and I'm going to reveal to you about me? I know that you're, you have broken parts of you. I know that there's nobody in here who's perfect. Y'all are all messed up somehow. But I want to reveal something about myself this morning. I'm messed up too. Now that that's out of the way, we can walk together and pursue the one who is perfect. And we're going to say things wrong and do things wrong. And we're going to... Have, you ever wake up grumpy in the morning? Where's my morning people? Marsha. That's because she got a car. <laughs> Where's my night owls? Yeah. Right on. Yeah. You ever try to talk to a morning person? You night owls ever try to talk to a morning person? I married one. I married one too. She used to be a morning person. I think we were married like three days, and I said, good morning. And you know what she said to me? I was all bright-eyed, open. It wasn't even really a word. It was just kind of a, oh. And I was like, oh, what just happened? <laughs> she was not a, she's not a morning person. And I was like, oh, this will be interesting. I don't know why it works that way, but it does. I don't know why we, uh, they say, uh, you know, the phrase opposite track come from, comes from somewhere. I think we fill in each other's gaps and then we grow together over time. That's how God works it. And so, but anyway, so we're, I don't know how I got on that. But his, uh, oh, they did away, his sacrifice eliminated the need for sacrifices on the Lord to continue. It was the blood of Jesus Christ that sanctified us once for all. Now, this is significant, and that word is just read by, I want you to catch this. Don't, don't miss this. The word sanctified, you all know what that means? It means set apart in the service, right? It means set apart. God is set apart for himself. When you're sanctified, it's set apart for him or set apart for service to him. So when, it's, when we're told here that the blood of Jesus Christ sanctified us once for all, he set us apart for service when he saved us. So, which leads us to, the, to this truth and to, the, to uh, what we say all the time is that every member here is a minister. You are called to ministry. I don't care if you're an accountant. I don't care if you work on cars. I don't care if you are um, some executive or work on computers. You're in ministry, folks. We are in the ministry together. We are in the ministry together. What we do at work, now I'm going to get in trouble. What we do on Facebook, we're in ministry. You're in ministry, ladies and gentlemen. And we don't have the right to compromise that. See, your salvation prepared you to participate in the work God's doing and to discover the role he has for you in it. That's the blessing. That God would use anyone such as me. Amen? Mm -hmm. 
And so if Christ is our focus, there's a few things we need to realize. I think there's some obstacles that keep us from really uh, walking in that knowledge. One, you're not what you once were. Boy, the enemy would like to tell you that this is who you are. He wants to identify who you are. Because if he identifies who you are, they can control your behavior. That was in the very first lie. When he lied to Eve and said, God knows in the day you eat of it, you'll be like him, knowing good and evil. It was, it, he didn't, he didn't, it wasn't an overt comment. But what he implied was that you're not like him. When they were already, weren't they made in his image? Yes. So he implied it in his comment. And so if he can make us believe something about ourselves that's not true, then he can begin to manipulate our behavior. And the enemy's a master manipulator. And so some of the behavior that has, has crept into my life and into your life at times, maybe, has been from manipulation of the enemy and lying to us about who we are. Because I see a room full of amazing, beautiful people. Amen? Amen. Wow, that was weak. <laughs> Maybe y'all were just looking at me. <laughs> but that you are. God's made you unique and different. Nobody's looks just like the other one. Thankful we don't have identical twins in here this morning. But you know what? I'll take them. We'll keep that section right there for all the identical twins. But we're all different, and that's the beauty. That's where harmony comes from. Different notes blending together to make a, a new note. And that's the joy. And so we're not what we once were. Do not choose to live a life of self-loathing or unforgiveness toward yourself. Have you ever thought that there was something that God could not do? Well, God can't use me like that. God can't use me like that. I'm not a good speaker. You can ask my parents. I used to get really nervous before speaking in front of people. It was bad. Bad, like nauseous bad. When Moses was called to go to Pharaoh, what did he say? I don't talk good. Get Aaron. Right? Why did he call the guy who couldn't talk good? Because he received the glory. Don't look at the things you don't have. Look at the God who can provide anything you need. That was Luis's point this morning, actually. He said, God equips us for what we're called to. He's right. He's right. We're equipped for what we're called to. So often, we, we, the enemy focuses us on our sin that's already been handled. He focuses us on our failures. We focus on all the things we can't do. Well, I just can't do that anymore. You know, or you see somebody, God, where you think God's really using it, go, well, God couldn't use me like that. You ever had that thought? I have. Yeah. And then I realized if God wanted to use me like that, he absolutely could. But Saul was wanting something that he hasn't done instead of appreciating what he's actually done. 
And so some people see this as piety. Well, I'm just, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. I'm just, you know what? That's deception. It's not piety. That's deception. Under the word piety, that means you're not arrogant. It's not arrogant to accept what God has said about you. Now, it's arrogant if you take it and you begin to own it like you did it. <laughs> That's where arrogance crosses in. It's not piety. It's really a misrepresentation of who you are in Christ in return to self-righteousness. Well, I could never do that. Well, guess what? You can't do the work of God anyway. So it's not about what you can do. Two, it's not God's goal to constantly remind you of your sin. That is what... No, that's what the church is for. That's not God's goal. His goal isn't to remind you how sinful you are. Because in His eyes, where's your sin? It's removed as far as the east is from the... Right? So why would He remind you of something that's not there? And we claim that that God spoke to us about that. That makes no sense scripturally. The preaching on sin has, is targeted toward the lost. And targeted toward us who have not focused on Christ. But the goal in that is not to target the sin. It's to target Christ with our eyes. His goal, if that's what his goal was not, his goal is to walk in a relationship with you where you grow to love him like he loves you. I think that's kind of cool. To grow to love him like he loves me. You know, the Bible says that he twirls over you in heaven. That's really funny when you think about God. I'm not going to twirl for you this morning. But if you think about God twirling in heaven over you, we don't think about that. We think about very stoic. This, oh, oh, and you walk in. And there ought to be respect in the presence of God. Even the angels hide their face when they're there. Three, if God doesn't want our sacrifices, why do we insist on giving them? You ever thought about that one? What it does for us is it gives us something we can do. Because it's easier to interact with a checklist than a personal God. Right? I've got my checklist so I can... I'm good with God. Woo! It's not what he's after. You know, it's so funny, my friend, this is a true story, I had a friend who's had a young, I think it was a daughter, and she would go and ask for stuff all the time. Kid, parents, do kids do that? And all the parents said, Amen. that's the loudest amen I've had all day. <laughs> kids ask all the time, right? Can I have this, can I have this? One morning, this guy that I know, he uh, was, he, he finally had gotten to his study. He was going to have his quiet time with the Lord. 
and he heard footsteps coming down the stairs. And he, uh, he's, and his heart sank a little bit because he knew it was his kid, and he's like, oh, I'm going to lose my time. And his child came in and, into the room and started talking to him, and uh, they said, Daddy, can I, can I sit on your lap? He's like, oh, they're putting it on me this morning. And uh, so she crawls up on his lap and, and hugs him. And he said, what are you doing here, sweetie? She said, I'm just here because I love you, Danny. <laughs> what can I give you? <laughs> I mean, and that's the relationship that, that he's after with us. That's the goal. He don't want our sacrifices. He wants you. He wants your heart. The eyes of the Lord roam to and fro throughout the earth, seeking those whose hearts are completely in That's the only thing he's looking for. He's looking for a heart. He's not looking for a sacrifice and all of our good behavior. When you walk in the Spirit, it's naturally going to happen anyway. You don't have to even worry about that. Let's focus our attention on him. You know, there was... <laughs> There was these two elderly women, and they went to an orchestra concert. And while they were there, uh, they sat through this whole thing, and the one asked the other woman, she said, what did you, what did you, what did you think about the concert? She said, how did you like it? And she said, well, you remember the way the violinist blew his nose after the first selection? That ruined the entire evening for me. Because she focused on the wrong thing. She missed the beauty of what was there. And as Christians, as brothers and sisters in Christ, let's not focus on all the noses being born. Let's focus on the beautiful music that God's placed before us. And the story of his relationship with us and with the world. That's what we're called into. So the question for us is, what would your life look like if it was completely focused on Christ? Would it be any different? Would God look different to you? If he said to you, insert your name here, I no longer care about any of your sin. I just want to know you and I want to show you who I am and let you know me in the most intimate way possible. And then we get to know somebody like the Lord and get excited about knowing Him. You ever been excited when you meet some people? Yeah. Right? When you're young and you're dating and you meet the one before the I do surprise. I didn't know you had bad breath in the morning. Man, it's just excited. You're telling everybody about him. I bet Stephen couldn't stop talking about Meredith, and Meredith couldn't stop talking about Stephen. And they're still madly in love today. And that's the way it's supposed to be. It grows over time, doesn't it? 
Because as you face hard times, as you go through things together, you get to know them more. And that's what it's meant in our journey with the Lord as well. It's not meant to push us further away. We believe this pie in the sky, name it, claim it, junk that's on TV. And it's getting worse. I am seeing it. And Jesus said, in this world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer because I have overcome it. That's the truth. And the truth matters, ladies and gentlemen. And so this morning, what are you seeking? Have you, have your eyes, are you focused on Jesus like the eye test? We give the eye test more attention than we give Christ. You ever notice that? Is that ridiculous to anybody but me? E W X P Q. We even will close to one eye sometimes trying to read it. But we're really casual with him. What has he called us to? He's called us to love. And to truth. Without compromise. And you can do both. And so what has the Lord been speaking to you about today? I'm going to ask everybody to bow their head and close their eyes.